The economy is crumbling, they say it's had its day. The workers are all rumbling, revolution's on the way, but I could never be a Marxist, it goes against the grain. And before you call me past it, give me a chance to explain. You see, come up to Paul Newell, he went with Danny Baker. See you silly disco songs and reading Melody Baker, and see him down the dunker. Welcome to Radical, a podcast about the radical aspects of politics, music and football. I'm your host, Kas Mudde. My guest today is Louis Wieringa. After serving in the U.S. Marines for three years, Louis studied European history at York University and political science at the University of Toronto before taking an uncommon path east to Estonia. There, he is currently Junior Research Fellow at the Johan Skite Institute of Political Studies of the University of Tartu, where he works on a PhD on the far right in contemporary Estonia and Latvia. Welcome to the podcast, Louis. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So let's start with my standard introductory questions. First, what was the first sports team you ever supported? Coming from the D.C. area, I have to say it was the Washington Redskins who recently uh, decided to change their name. But I have to also give an honorable shout out to the Washington Capitals because I'm a pre-Ovechkin fan and I've been a lifelong ice hockey fan. The second, what's your favorite political song? I have to say that there's a Baltic connection to all of your questions here. My favorite political song is called The Baltics Are Waking Up, and that has to do with the singing revolution in Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. And I like it for a couple of reasons. One is that it combines all three languages of the Baltic states, and it was kind of the precursor to the Baltic Way, which was held on the 50th anniversary of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. So on the 23rd of August, 1989, around 2 million people formed the human chain from Estonia to Lithuania. And to give you an example of how inspiring that can be, on the 30th anniversary, Hong Kongers formed the human chain during the recent protests, and they used this as inspiration. And the song is, is a really beautiful song. I recommend listeners to check it out and also to look into the singing revolution. And finally, what is your favorite political book? Also uh, a Baltic answer, and that would be called Suddenly a Criminal, 16 Years in Siberia by Melania Vanaga, who was a Latvian woman born in 1905. She was deported to Siberia, and she actually documented her experience in, in these diaries. Right. Not light reading, but definitely very important reading, <laughs> no. and particularly for the topic that we speak about, which is the Baltic states, specifically Estonia, and particularly the Estonian far right. But before we get there, how does a former U.S. Marine end up as a graduate student in Estonia? That is a really cool story, and I'm glad that you asked. I left for Canada after my, my stint in, in the Marine Corps infantry after coming back from Iraq, and I always wanted to be an academic. And I started out in history, as you mentioned, and then I decided to do political science, actually studying populist radical right parties. And I went to do my master's at the University of Toronto, and I discovered that at the time, the radical right in the Baltics is one area that hadn't been covered pretty much at all. And my supervisor, Andres Kasekamp, is one of the few people who, who did write about it. So I, I got into contact with him um, before he ended up actually going to Toronto, where I came from, and he agreed to supervise me. And then I started looking at uh, Tartu, the University of Tartu, as well as the city and the country of Estonia. And I thought, wow, this, this looks really cool. I was right. I, I really like living here. And that's kind of, in a nutshell, what brought me here. That's a great story. 
When I think about the 1990s and the far right in Estonia, I think about the Estonian National Independence Party, which came out of the Soviet Union. It was an anti-Russian party, both in terms of anti-Russia, the state, as the anti-Russian minority. Is that still a major issue for the far right today? Yes and no. It depends on who. I would say if you look at Bartek Pietlis and Oliver Cossack's lighting the fuse analogy, I would say that that's something that Ekra does quite well when it comes to, to language, when it comes to Slavic immigration, and when it comes to the national minority. They bring it up when necessary, and it's mostly about language policy securitization and kind of linking any kind of future migrant, both from North Africa and the Middle East, as well as Ukraine, Belarus, and Russia, to the Soviet experience and to demographic concerns. So one thing that the party, mostly driven by the father and son helmet, is really good at is connecting different nativist issues to each other to give a general picture of why we argue this. You already mentioned ECRA, mm-hmm. which stands for the Conservative People's Party of Estonia, which, despite the name, is the far-right party of Estonia at the moment. So can you tell us a little bit more about that party? When were they founded? What do they stand for? ECRA can trace its origins to Rafali, which in Estonian is the People's Union of Estonia. And they emerged in 2012 with the Estonian Nationalist Movement. And Martin Martin Helme, the uh, chair and chairman of the deputy chairman of ECRA, took over the leadership. I would say, in terms of this, the patriotic party included Martin Helme, who is the son, who is actually now, as of August, the chairman of ECRA. It's just that he and his father swapped positions, but it's it's kind of a family business. The Estonian patriotic movement was like a nationalist Eurosceptic pressure group. And the Estonian People's Party was just a right-wing party. So they merged kind of a grassroots political group with a party. And then you have ECRA. So their origin was in the early 2000s. Mart Helme is a farmer and political entrepreneur who owns a lot of land in rural Estonia. And actually, I know music and sports are always a plus on your podcast. Mart Helme is an Estonian singer with a really good voice. So he had this folkish rock in the 80s and 90s. So he has actually a background in music that's, I think, a little known. And I would see him as more of an old school conservative, let's say, whereas Martin Helme is more ideological. For example, Martin Helme was supposed to speak at a Blue Awakening event in 2019, but he didn't end up uh, making it. But his name was there and that was associated with the youth organization which I'll discuss further in the podcast, whereas I would see Mark Helmes, the embodiment of the rural country Estonian folk, who is the uh, demographic at their targets, and that's simply those who maybe were left behind during the transition, because a lot of people in Ekra see the transition from state socialism to market liberalization as benefiting only a few people in society, elites of various sorts, and so their base is rural. Be that as it may, both Helmets made pretty racist remarks. I mean, particularly Martin, the son, literally spoke about keeping Estonia white. Mm-hmm. So is ECRA in that respect more like the Western far-right parties concerned with immigration and with race? Or are they also busy with the Russian minority? Are they also busy with the threat of Russia Etc. I would say both. You are correct. They have made statements. Kuyan Mus Naida Ust, 
translates as really, if you're black, there's the door. And they explicitly said that they don't want to have the immigration policies of Sweden. And this was around or even right before the refugee crisis. So they have kind of a dual threat. Seasonal guest workers from Ukraine, Belarus, and also Russia have been politicized by especially Father Mart Helme, who says that if they're there, that's going to create a large portion of people living in Estonia who don't speak Estonian and who speak Russian. So I would say at the same time. Now, the interesting thing about that is they do have official immigration policy where they want high-skilled people. And of course, they want high-skilled people from the EU maybe from, let's say, Australia or the U.S., but not other countries that don't fit a certain criteria. And it's interesting because I even wrote an article about how Blue Awakening mostly was changing the discourse by throwing the concept of whiteness into the mix. Just after the refugee crisis of probably 2016, the former leader of Blue Awakening, the youth organization, who's now an MP, Ruben Kalop, made a speech at Jared Taylor's American Renaissance event called A Call to Action from a Small White Country. And he said, when two white nations, referring to Russians and Estonia, when two white nations face something together that isn't white, it's best to stay together and fight. A different viewpoints from senior party leadership and others about how they view Slavic Russians. Basically, the consensus is as long as they are Estonian citizens and speak Estonian and consider themselves Estonian patriots. And so when Martelme came out against strawberry pickers and seasonal workers on farms, because a lot of people come from Ukraine and Belarus to pick strawberries and to work on farms for cheaper than Estonians will, because they usually go to Finland. They made it a problem, and I was wondering why, because number one, that would alienate some of the transnational alliances in Ukraine especially, and number two, it really alienated farmers because they said that they would be in a big pile of trouble if they didn't have these seasonal workers, and so we all paid around 16 euros for strawberries this spring. But my point is, is that <laughs> I think we can say that maybe the jury's out and they are situationally adaptive, as well as it being more of a generational issue. Yeah, and I think that's very interesting. You see the different generations, first the father and the son, but then behind that, you have Blue Awakening, which is the youth branch of ECRA. But unlike pretty much every other youth branch of a political party I know in Europe, their ties are not so much with other youth branches of, let's say, better established radical right parties, but with what is called the old right in the US, and particularly the white nationalist part. As you said, American Renaissance is not a white supremacist group that is mostly Islamophobic. They are a white nationalist group. They want a white American state. What are the connections between Blue Awakening and the old right? Are the connections to people like Richard Spencer? Are the connections purely personal? Or also do you see the use of symbols that are much more American? And do they also get inspiration from Europe? Or are they really focused on white politics rather than European politics? Well, I would say both. I would say they see themselves as Estonian nationalists first, as Finno-Ugric nationalists second, as maybe Eastern European nationalists third, European nationalists fourth. So there's kind of a pecking order, sort of like Mike Pence's, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, and I'm a Republican in that order. But with the American alt-right, they have connections. The biggest ones are to Jared Taylor. American Renaissance. Yep, Greg Johnson of Countercurrents and Ramsey Paul. 
All three of them have been to Estonia a couple of times. They frequently attend the Torchlight March on February 24th. Now, I should say that the Torchlight March, most people who go there, they're going to celebrate their country's independence. Most people in Latvia that I've talked to don't know that the National Alliance puts it on. The same can sort of be said in Estonia. However, Ekre has much more of a presence there. Usually the day before the 24th, they put on a conference called Ethno Future. So mm-hmm. they've had the golden one there. They've had Laszlo Trokai from our homeland movements, the breakaway party from Jobbik. People from the Nordic resistance movement were in audience, but not speaking. So much more extreme right than radical right. Yeah, and I mean, they do that on purpose. The only politicians that were involved are Martin Halme, who I mentioned. He didn't actually come due to a scheduling conflict or illness or something. And Ruben Kalap, who is now a member of the Rigi Parliament. And this is done on purpose. I mean, they take Daniel Friberry, the Swedish alt-right financiers, kind of metapolitical, you know, we need to change the dialogue to change people's thinking. We don't just do it through the ballot box. And this is kind of, you know, the way that we're going to do it is get in, do a party in a country where most people pay no attention to, and then start to enact policies and, you know, do these types of signals to signal to our people, we're getting stuff done. Blue Awakening has a policy where they do not recruit people and they're not concerned with numbers. In fact, they want quality over quantity. So they would reject anybody that they think is looking for a career in politics. As they say, they want poets and fanatics, not politicians. So you mentioned the torch rallies, which are popular within the Baltic republics. And of course, when people in the US or by now around the world think about torch rallies, they think about Charlottesville and there might be a connection there, right? Yes, as a matter of fact, there is. I was told that the American organizers from Charlottesville got the idea from from Estonia and Estonians got it from the Latvians. So somebody came over, saw the march in Tallinn, the capital city of Estonia, and then brought it back to the U.S. And so you have this party which has, first of all, an odd kind of leadership of father and son, of which at least a son has made various openly racist remarks. It has a youth rank that is at least as much extreme right as radical right. And yet no one in Europe knows about them. They were founded in 2012, entered parliament in 2015, but they came third with 19% of the vote in 2019 parliamentary elections, which makes it one of the more successful European far-right parties, and joined the government with two other right-wing parties. The center party, which is kind of ironic because it is a bit seen as like the Russian party, and then with Isamad, which makes more sense because it is the kind of national mm. conservative party. How did ECRA get mainstream so fast? So in a way, there's not really a big left-wing party in Estonia, although I would say that the Social Democrats in Estonia 200 are going to fill that space pretty quickly. The kind of the old guard is cautious to be too left-wing, well, at the same time, I think ECRE got issue ownership over migration, although other Estonian parties were skeptical of accepting migrants. But I do think that ECRE has, by and large, gotten issue ownership over all of the issues that the far right tends to promote. They come in third pretty consistently. They're the top party for ethnic Estonian males. I think they're the second amongst ethnic Estonians. And yet you do have a lot of people who are against them. I didn't see any real opposition to them until they entered the government. And then there were weekly protests outside of the parliaments that moved online. 
But mainstream, I think it's only happening because Isama coalition with anyone to stay relevant because they're the last in the polls. Ekre is consistently third. So they've tapped into a voter base that is susceptible to the far right message. And I think that that helped them to get mainstream. But ideologically speaking, center party and Isama, if they were able to get somebody else to be in their coalition, I don't think that they would go along too much with, with Ekre's wishes. Right. ECRA's government performance has been bumpy, to put it mildly. Several of its ministers had to resign, and yet they continue to do reasonably well in the polls. Have they been able to achieve things in government? What explains this continuing success? And perhaps you can say also something about how their performance in government has been so far. Well, you're right. There were a lot of gambles, numerous ones, actually. And I think that they're able to survive that same way that Trump is, is because they have a voter base who doesn't really care. As long as they stand up for the values that they do, they'll be fine amongst a certain portion of the electorate. I would say that the coalition government, ECRA included, handled the COVID crisis exceptionally well. That also enabled them to get some more of their issues on the table. Their standpoints have gotten relatively milder since they've gone to the coalition government, although statements sometimes that are quite bold uh, are still made. They haven't taken any active measures against the Russian-speaking population. They used the COVID pandemic to push a lot of their policies. The government started to approve amendments to the Aliens Act and also what is called the Obligation to Leave and Prohibition on Entry Act which simply means that they wanted foreigners from non-EU countries to leave Estonia if they lost their job. Including students. Oh, yeah. That's coming from the Ministry of the Interior. Mark Helme is the Minister of the Interior. They targeted mostly Pakistan, Nigeria, Russia, Belarus. Yeah, and that's very Trumpian as well. It makes me think a little bit about Stephen Miller trying to use pretty much any crisis to tighten immigration. Although, of course, again, the difference is Stephen Miller would not have too much problems with Belarus and Russia. So does ECRA have any equivalents in the other Baltic states, uh, Latvia and Lithuania? Yes. So there's the National Alliance, all for Latvia, for fatherland and freedom. That would be the closest one. Lithuania doesn't have a far-right party. They have Grykis, which is a, a movement, not a party. And they have the Lithuanian nationalist movement, which is electorally very irrelevant. I wanted to mention, though, there is the Balska Declaration that was signed by all three parties. And the Balska Declaration, I think, adequately highlights what it means to be a Baltic nationalist. Raiva Zintars, who's the chairman of the National Alliance, signed it, as well as two out of the three people who I would say are the furthest right in Latvia, because that's an interesting party. And then Martel, May the Father, and Ruben Kalop, they signed that. And the Bauska Declaration, named after really picturesque and beautiful small town in southern Latvia, it calls for maintaining family values and the fatherland, and it strongly cautions against the Baltic states adopting immigration policies of Western Europe. They name verbatim cultural Marxism, liberalism, and multiculturalism, and they say that that's the antithesis of patriotic national homeland. And they want a new national awakening, which kind of encourages these three nations in the Eastern Baltics to defend against external threats and global challenges, but also kind of an East-West challenge, which is the European Union and Western liberalism and the Russian Federation. So they do see themselves as geographically, culturally and linguistically very different than elsewhere. Right. And except for the anti-Russian part, a lot of that terminology reminds me of Orban. Oh, yeah. 
are there connections between ECRA and Fides or ECRA and Orban? No, not really. I mean, there are connections with our homeland movement, with the youth organization. Which is the extreme right split mm -hmm. of Jobbik, which has yeah. become more mainstreamed. Yes, they did have some loose connections with Jobbik, but I would say the, the people that Blue Awakening was connected with were connected as individuals, not as parties. Because as they would both say, Jobbik has moved, you know, dangerously to the left, <laughs> is what somebody told me when I was doing participant observation at one of their events. There's another interesting transnational loose group called Intermarium, which is taken from Joseph Pesudski's interwar thought. It's not the Three Seas initiative that Law and Justice is involved with. This is something else with the Azov Battalion and the National Corps in Ukraine. Some people from the National Alliance, Blue Awakening, and even Norderskungdom from Sweden is there. It's mostly a Ukrainian-led initiative, and it's to counterbalance the susceptibility of far-right parties in Western Europe to be pro-Putin and pro-Kremlin, but also to be against Western liberalism. Right. And this sounds, again, pretty white nationalist and extreme mm -hmm. right rather than yeah. radical right. So finally, what is the most important misperception about ECRA? I guess in Estonia and outside of it. That's a good question. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I would say this, the most important misperception would be to look at the scandals and think that it's a party that doesn't know what it's doing. They know exactly what they're doing and they're very capable of getting things done. They're very politically calculating. And I think Everyone in Estonia and politics is aware of this. So I would say that, yes, the scandals are a bit bizarre and they make people roll their eyes. And maybe I think a lot of people in Estonia think that it makes them look bad abroad, depending on how many people know it or not. Fun fact, though, one colleague of mine who works in the commission said that finance minister Martin Helme is known as the, the white power guy because of the uh, OK <laughs> symbol. So at least some people do know who they are outside of Estonia. But I would say that would be the, the most common misperception. Right. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Louis. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Cass. Louis can be followed on Twitter at, at Louis underscore Vierenha, which is W I E R E N G A. Thank you for listening to Radical. The music is from the Gonads with the classic song Karl Marx supported Millwall. I want to thank Jack Fernandez for helping me with the editing, and I'm your host, Kas Mudde. If you like the episode, please subscribe to Radical on your podcast platform of choice, and don't forget to rate us. Till the next time. The economy is crumbling, they say it's had its day. The workers are all rumbling, revolution's on the way. But I could never be a Marxist, it goes against the grain. And before you call me past it, give me a chance to explain. You say, come up to Port Newell, he went with Danny Baker. See you silly disco songs and reading Melody Baker. I'm seeing down the dunker, playing with his beard. No wonder that that's Capitale turned out a little weird.